Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Dave Van Horn. He's the CEO and founder at PPR Note Co. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Timmy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's super awesome talking to you. Uh, Dave, the first question I like to ask on the show is just, how did you get started in entrepreneurship? So uh, I want to walk through your entrepreneurial journey and kind of start at the beginning. Wow. I don't think you have that much time. I started in the fourth grade. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's the first entrepreneurial thing you ever did in fourth grade? The paper route. And, uh, and then I was also like the family bank. All my five siblings would come borrow money from me and stuff like that. But yeah. <laughs> Got started um, in finance early. But this particular company, I've had more than one company, but this particular company, uh, I started in 2007. And uh, we're a note company. And, and some people may not know what a note is. But when I say a note, uh, it's a musical symbol, right? No, it's, um, it's a promise <laughs> to pay. And when I okay. refer to notes, I'm referring to notes and mortgages tied okay. to real estate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to tell people, everyone's in the note business. They may not realize it or not, because a lot of things are notes that we don't think about. Like a credit yeah. card is a promissory note to pay that okay. credit card. Okay. Just like you have auto debt, student loan debt, medical debt. I just happen to be in mortgage debt. And uh, we, we manage several mortgage investment funds um, that buy assets, primarily one to four family residential nationwide. Uh, and then uh, lately, we've been expanding into some commercial areas as well. So commercial real did, estate backed. Assets. Did you, did, did you always know that this is what you were going to be doing? Oh, no. 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 <laughs> what did you think? What did you think you'd be doing when you were in college? I had no idea. Well, I went to college for uh, accounting. I didn't like it. And then I was a business major, you know, changed to business and then yeah. um, got out of college. What? couldn't get a job. So then I went into, I was in construction and was a, became a contractor and had my own business. And then I got hurt and then I went into you know, using my brain instead of my body, so to speak. What did you not like about accounting? I, you know, it was just kind of like boring or like, um, you know, go fix this mess in the, in the corner and sit there and crunch numbers all day. It just wasn't for me. I, I yeah, was more of a I would hate it. people person or, or, you know, so I ended up with a degree in management and I guess it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. So uh, you you ended up with a degree in management, and I guess you were using that as soon as you started uh, working in construction. Well, I you know I, I I was in construction while I was going to college, and then when I got out and couldn't get a job, I just stayed in construction. Then eventually started my own contracting company, um, and my oldest son actually has that same business today, and it's been in, in business twenty eight years. So nice. Um, so but, you know, what? 
what led to you starting uh, PPR Note? Yeah, so I was kind of alluding to that. In, in around 2007, I was a real estate investor and a realtor, and I owned a title company, and I had a lot of you know real estate related activities. And um, what happened was, um, you know, the market tanked. All the financing yeah. dried up. So you know, I was a pretty successful agent, had a big, robust business, and you know, if you take the money out of the equation, everything goes to nothing, right? So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. and my partner John <laughs> uh, was uh, was a lender, originator, mortgage originator, and um, so it wasn't like we didn't know know what that piece of it. And then also, I was raising capital for commercial real estate at the time. And my partner, John, said, hey, why don't you raise capital for this and we'll go buy delinquent mortgages you know, from banks and things like that. So it was really like, what side of the fence do you want to be sitting on in this downturn is kind of how it started. And then uh, you know, in the very beginning, we were really just investors and we bought a handful of mortgages. And the, the outfit that we were buying assets from were showing us how to collect on the, on the delinquent mortgages. And then we were like, oh, okay. And then we'll... And then it, you know, started out as a club, really, as we were just small time investors, we had our own capital and, you know, and then it just kept growing. And then we started raising outside capital and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we, um, you know, we started with junior mortgages, second mortgages, things like that. And uh, because it was less money, you know, uh -huh. less expensive. And then as we had more and more capital under management, we shifted into first mortgages. And that was probably the first you know, major pivot for the company because, you know, it was a, you know, first mortgage space is an $8 trillion industry, right? So it was a lot bigger market than the junior lien space. And, um, and then even now uh, we're in the middle of a, another major pivot right now because of uh, in the beginning, we were like asset managers where we did everything today. We're more like capital management and we outsource a lot of things. So now, um, you know, we we figured out what we were good at, and uh, which is really raising capital and surveilling the assets and deploying the capital is really our strength more so than actually working the actual assets or being an operator. You know. So. Yeah. So so you talked about your pivots, and I, what I'm curious about is what have been some of the big innovations or major changes that you've had to make since you started the company. Uh, and, and, and how hard were they and how did you make them? Uh, well, you know, it's, some of them we're still going through now, whether, uh, you know, as you start into different verticals, you need different folks or you need different uh, technology or you need different capabilities. Um, and, and it's kind of like, I think this happens to every business, you know, whether they start out one size and they grow and then, you know, how you outsource and insource certain things. And then as you grow, they change. Yep. So like in the old days, there were things we outsourced that we ended, you know, that now we bring in house and then things that we brought in house, we outsource now. So it, it, it shifts. And I, yep. I just think you just need to be aware of it. And um, how do you personally know when it's time to outsource something <laughs> that you've insourced or insource something that you've outsourced? That's uh, money usually uh, now <laughs> or, um, well, you know, sometimes it's a telltale sign of, uh, you know, a perfect example was, you know, we used to work the assets all the time. And, um, you know, now we have a JV, JV partner in the last year, for example, and they're 10 to 12 times bigger than us. They're a lot more robust with a trade desk with acquisitions than we are. Uh, they had almost uh, close to, you know, 100 people in their in their shop where we have like 25 people. 
and they were a lot more efficient with their operations and their execution. So it actually started to make sense to partner with them. We're real good at the capital side to, to partner with them. And they're not good at the capital side or the marketing side. So we were yeah. better, a little bit better on the investor relations, marketing side, and they weren't. And us teaming up, we're, we're a powerful, you know, JV here. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's going to be phenomenal because we're yeah. capitalizing on their strengths and they're capitalizing on our strengths. And I think it, it's a... You know, sometimes people don't want to recognize that. Like we were guilty of trying to do everything ourselves, you know, for a long, long time. And then it, it kind of stunts your growth after a while. You know, you're yeah. like, um, you know how you're like the weakest link. You're the, it's funny, like me and my two partners. I often feel like the weakest link. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> no, my, me and my two partners in the beginning, you know, like you would hire what you had to hire and you would try to do, you'd wear all these hats and try to do all these things. Um, just like, like marketing, I used to, cause I knew a little bit about marketing. I would do marketing, right? Yeah. Well, as the company grew, you know, the next thing you know, you know, what happens when you get really, you start to get really big, you know, maybe I'm not the best marketing guy, or maybe I'm not the best, uh, compliance person, or I'm not the best, uh, you know, fund manager or something. There are smart folks out there that you can hire. And then you want to build in redundancy. And yeah. What, what was the last thing that you were doing that you got off your plate? <laughs> Um, probably investor relations. Uh, there used to be a time where I thought no one could raise capital like me, you know, that kind of thing. And now I have a whole team. They do great and they do 95% or more of the work. I mean, I'm not saying I don't jump in once in a while, but it pretty much runs that department runs itself. Whereas before there was no department or it was just me and one other person or two other people. And then it just grew. Uh, yeah. and now it yeah. kind of runs, I don't want to say by itself, but it, it does pretty much. Yeah. What, what was hard or wonderful about getting that off your shoulders? Well, you end up replacing it with some other area that needed <laughs> help. And then you're doing kind of the same thing there where you try to get that area up and running and be able to run by itself. And then you move on to the next area that you go in and, you know, back clean up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There's always uh, something that needs to be, you know, addressed, right? Yeah, I want to get to the uh, the meat of the episode here and ask you. Uh, to, so, think about a time when you were beating your head against a wall, or had a difficult decision, or just something happened that tipped you towards success. So, something that you decided, or something that you worked through, or something that happened that tipped your company towards success. What was it? Um, something that happened. I, I guess it would be relationships. Okay, um, tell me like about I that. Like, our, like um, you know, just uh, we ended up hiring a consultant uh, who was able to connect us with our JV partner, for example, who now they've been able to connect us with, uh, you know, we were able to get access to institutional capital. We were able to do, get access to more product. So we're using one relationship to connect us with a new relationship that's connecting us with their years and years of relationships. And you're yeah. just accelerating that, you know, uh, growth basically. Yeah. So, you know, we would have never been able to do uh, some of the things that we're doing today if, without that. Yeah. Was that a difficult thing to navigate? Was it a hard decision or, or um, was it pretty straightforward? Was it something that happened to no, you? It's difficult for two reasons. One is, um, you know, you have to come to grips with, you know, you don't know everything and you want to get outside help. It's always hard to ask for help sometimes. Right. 
even yeah. if you go pay for it, or it's hard to justify it. Well, we can't afford to do it. And you also get to a point where you can't afford not to do it, right? Or you just stay where you are and you're languishing. So I think it's some of that. And, um, you know, just coming to grips with that. The other part is sometimes the organization's resistant to change. Mm-hmm. Or there's people How on the so? team. Well, there For you guys on the team resistant <laughs> to change or, you know, they don't like the idea of things are changing. You know, sometimes some folks really resist, uh, you know, any kind of change. Uh, yeah. They like How do you navigate that as a CEO? <laughs> um, you, you know, some of it is just, you know, sometimes you just have to make some some tough decisions. I think a lot of it is uh, communication. You know, uh, you're always trying to you know, eliminate ambiguity, yeah. improve communication, you know. This is a question I like to ask. What's something, what, so whenever I hear somebody talk about a thing that has been a challenge or whatever, so in this case, communication, what's something about communication that's hard that you're surprised is so hard? Um, it could be just the honesty and transparency because sometimes we're afraid we're going to hurt people's feelings or... Um, or you have to make a tough decision where, um, you know, sometimes the, the position's no longer there or it's not warranted or yeah. the model shifting, you know, yeah. you have different needs. You might have new needs to hire new people, but you also have folks that were good folks, but that, you know, that talent's no longer needed. You know, it, they're tough, they're tough decisions, especially if it's, you know, people you really like, long-term folks, you know, that kind of thing. So they that could be a tough decision for yeah for any what's, CEO. What's a problem or a breakthrough or like a tipping point that you're ho- that you're working on now that you're hoping to get to success-wise? Well, we we we're going down a few new channels. Um, you know, we manage a couple of funds. We're, we're we're in the middle of becoming a registered investment advisor, so that we you know as we have more capital under management. We have more scrutiny, more uh, compliance, but we are trying to become a better solution. We're like an alternative investment and we have like a a short-term liquidity fund. We have a midterm income fund. And and right now we're trying to start a growth fund that has tax advantages that's backed by commercial real estate. And what we're hoping to be is a, a good alternative investment vehicle for investors to come and say, hey, I have... ABC, I can, you know, deploy capital. Uh, these people know what they're doing. They know how to work with operators. And um, basically it gives people a, a good a sense of trust and diversification into a lot of areas uh, that are asset backed and, uh, you know, pretty good, you know, good, re- good returns or good track records in those areas, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, trying to be, I don't always try to say be everything to every investor, but in the alternative space, a lot of times we're only a small percentage of someone's portfolio, you know, um, whereas we're not yeah. traditional stocks and bonds and things like that. But but we are an option that people do, you know, entertain. I love it. Dave, uh, how can listeners connect with you? Probably the easiest way is, um, you know, pprnoteco.com. Uh, you can definitely reach out to me there or on LinkedIn. Uh, we also have a distressed mortgages group on LinkedIn as well. Nice. Um, and then I'm on some other social media channels uh, that are real estate related, like biggerpockets.com. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with biggerpockets. No, it's I didn't about, know. Uh, there's about 2 million real estate investors on there. And um, 
you can reach out to me there. I have a profile and we actually answer real estate questions in their forums almost on a daily basis. Um, I've written a book with them as well. So you can pick up the book to learn more about you know my industry if that's something that interests folks. That's awesome. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. This is great, Timmy. I, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.